Welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, Ryan, and Matthew. Episode 236, recorded for the week of November 15th, 2023. We now measure largest chips used to generate LLM, or as I like to think of it, 21st century beep measuring contest. Good evening, <laughs> Ryan, Jonathan, and Matt. Good evening. Hello again. <laughs> Audio problems. Just laying all out on the table, are we? All right. Yeah, I'm just putting it out there. And uh, this week, we are properly proud of our show title options that we had. So do check those out in the show notes because they were quite good. <laughs> uh, but lost, unfortunately, to the beep uh, measuring contest. So there you go. All right. Well, AI is going great again again this week, and we've got lots of things happening. Uh, so apparently, the battle for AI talent is heating up between OpenAI and Google compensation packages, but also promises of access to better hardware, better chips, and more. OpenAI depends on Microsoft, of course, for its cloud resources, where Google owns its own cloud and is manufacturing their own AI chips. Uh, and so salaries have gone crazy with stock compensation of anywhere from 5 to $10 million. And you can definitely hire the CloudPod to come help you with all your LLM needs if you're going to kind of throw that kind of money around in Google stock, because I will mm-hmm. definitely take it. Uh, of course, uh, assuming that the recruits all start these things at OpenAI, that money is only valuable to you before they get bought by Microsoft and <laughs> destroy all the value. So make sure if you are joining one of those, you do it soon to make sure those stocks vest prior to that. Happening. So, yeah. So shocker, <laughs> money, money and AI and the hype. I guess it's quite a concern, actually, that, that since Google bought DeepMind, they, they have pretty much two thirds of the entire global AI talent at their own disposal. And so I guess this is a desperate needs for desperate measures kind of thing. Yeah, they got to tease them out of Google, right? So how do you yep. get them into OpenAI? You offered them a lot of money. So, uh, NVIDIA has unveiled a new AI chip, which will be upping the ante with AMD. Uh, this is the new H200, which next year will come one of the most advanced chips on the market for developing AI. Chip's memory capacity has been significantly upgraded compared to the H100, which has been in high demand and boosting NVIDIA stock 240% since January 1st. The increased memory allows LM models powered by the H100 chips to generate results nearly twice as fast as those running on the H100s. Cloud companies should have the new chips available in the second quarter of 2024 and put those in tight competition with AMD's MI300X GPU slated for release later this year in 2023. Woo! I feel like we're seeing the speed curve of you know processors and now we're just you know watching the same things that happened in the 90s and 2000s happen yeah, with GPUs. GPUs. It's like... You know, it will double every 18 months. That's fine. Or here sooner. Are we going to get a turbo button? I want a turbo button. With the LEDs <laughs> on the front. I've been asking that for Azure for the last couple months. Where's the turbo button, guys? I'm wondering when I can replace my furnace at my house with just a GPU farm <laughs> for the winter. I think it'd be great. Just use the exhaust of those GPUs to yeah. keep my hands. It's an interesting tra- uh, trajectory, actually. Um, but I think the architecture is going to change significantly. Intel is already working on analog chips, basically programmable analog chips. So once you've trained a model, you can sort of burn it onto an analog chip and then it runs at incredibly low power when you're actually making inferences. So I think um, like we're going to have the H200. I'm sure we'll have an H400 in a couple of years' time. But uh, within like five years, I think there'll be completely different architecture running this stuff. So you're, you're telling me I'm going to burn custom silicone to my AI model, and then I'm going to have to get a cloud provider to put that in their cloud? Or is that going to be the repatriation is going to be a big thing if you get your custom AI chips back in the data center? 
No, I, th- I think it's. I think of it more as like the FPGA of okay. of AI chips. Mm. So I, th- I think they're they're reusable and reprogrammable, but instead of being sort of transistor logic and binary, it will be um, analog signals. Because really, that's what we're, that's what we're simulating with. Um, but all this math is just analog systems. You know, sometimes I forget how smart Jonathan is. Yeah, the the accent doesn't give it away. Like, I mean, it's automatically an extra ten <laughs> IQ points because of the accent alone. Smart rebel. It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. The FEGA side, yeah, um, being able to reprogram them as your model changes, but then get less power usage. That makes a lot of sense. So that's something I hadn't thought about. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. I'll have conversation topics for Thanksgiving <laughs> with my parents who won't care. <laughs> or understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. FPGAs are the future in the big what? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, VentureBeat had a little bit of a survey they did on Gen AI in the enterprise, uh, and they're calling it mostly hype. Gen AI still accounts for less than 1% of overall enterprise cloud spend. Wait until next year. Traditional AI spend, on the other hand, comprises 18% of the $400 billion cloud market. And while growth is increasing in AI, it's primarily in traditional ML use cases. And this is largely due to concerns around privacy, copyright, and limited packaged offerings of general AI technology for the enterprise. Which, I mean, Microsoft just fixed that issue with their new 300 uh, minimum <laughs> user account open AI solution to uh, add that to Office 65. So I think those enterprise packages are coming out pretty quickly. And when they become something that the, le- the lawyers finally understand, uh, they'll rapidly get adopted by a bunch of enterprises very quickly, is my guess. Yeah, I, I don't see any way where this is going to not be a huge contributor to, to cloud spend in coming years. I'm actually more surprised that it's the traditional AI and machine learning is only 18%, but then you have to realize that, you know, that's we're also a, an industry that's still like largely doing rented compute. So, makes sense. Yeah, I think they're looking in the wrong place. I mean, it's not reached consumer yet, I don't think, uh, as much as Maybe they thought it was going to, but when you consider things like $10 billion investments from Microsoft into OpenAI, that's an awful lot of investment into LLMs and, and Gen AI. So it, it will filter down. And that investment wasn't made with, with a, you know, it wasn't a gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now they expected to make money on those dollars. Mm. And they M- will. Multiples of and returns back. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is it. We are in the uh, weeks prior to reInvent at this point. So we are starting to get the things that someone hoped to definitely get on main stage. They got their their dreams shattered this week and published instead. <laughs> so up first, uh, AWS Audit Manager now supports a first third-party GRC integration. Uh, for those of you in the GRC space, you know, auditing and proving evidence of that is highly important. And so Amazon released AWS Audit a few years ago, which automatically automates the evidence collection uh, for your AWS usage. However, large enterprises don't want to use Amazon's product for this because they have a thousand other clouds and other on-prem things. And so they typically have third-party solutions like MetricStream CyberGRC. And so AWS is now partnering with them to directly uh, deliver those audit manager results into that third party, which thank goodness, because I am I was kind of thinking this was a walled garden that didn't make sense for a long time. So glad to see this one coming. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of surprised it took them so long to get some sort of integration or export or stuff stuff along those lines because it's a nice tool i just never saw anyone really leverage it because the whole it's only useful here great amazon bedrock now is providing you access to not only meta's llama 2 chat 13b model but also coheres command light and cohere embedded english and multilingual models 
these are optimized for different use cases. The Llama 2 is for dialogue use cases, where the Cohere command light and Cohere embedded English uh, are their flagship text generation model, is trained to follow user commands to be useful in business applications, and embedded is a set of models trained to produce high-quality embeddings from text documents. Uh, they say it's great for semantic search, text classification, and retrieval, augmented generation, or RAG. Woo! <laughs> You guys really love you guys really love these things, don't you? Yeah, see the excitement. All right. Moving I on. I initially around. shook my head in yeah. excitement, yeah. but that was all I had. Ryan auditorially did that. It really works well for a podcast medium. It definitely works well. Details. Details. So yeah, if you uh, want to spend a lot of money running Llama 2, you can now do that on AWS versus trying to run it on your own hardware, which should be expensive, apparently. Wasn't there like different levels of Llama too? So like there was there like is. ones you could run locally and that's what Yeah, so the 13B model is one of the mid-size, I believe. There was one that's bigger that was really expensive to run, and then there's a smaller one that you can run like on your M- on your uh, Apple GPUs with the M1, M2, and 3 family processors. For those of you who don't want to deal with all those pesky models and all that and just want Amazon to give you it to you as a service. Amazon Comprehend has updated it to now tell you how toxic your content is. <laughs> uh, the toxic content uh, hopefully will not be used on the CloudPod podcast because uh, <laughs> we're a little bit po- we can be a little bit toxic sometimes. <laughs> the system will label your data into four different labels, including profanity, hate speech, insults, and graphic language, uh, and will provide you a score of how how uh, how you score each of those things. So, Ryan, this is a challenge to you to see if you can write something so profane and toxic <laughs> that you get tens on all of those scores. My very first thought when I read this is, uh, you know, I, back in the day, I created a chatbot in IRC um, that would count swear words by nice. user, and you could run a command and it would just put that out. And so now I have an idea where plugging this into you know several team rooms and in Slack or Teams, yeah. and then. <laughs> Giving a toxicity score would be pretty sweet. It'd be pretty funny. Like, it, I mean, first way to go back to IRC, I guess, from Slack. But yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, you can. <laughs> chatbots are, you know, you can. I'm not going to use the same code. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you only had one trick, though. I just, just reuse the same code over and over. <laughs> mm, it's it's kind of interesting technology. I, I see use cases for it for sure. For things like you know, filtering reviews for online. Merchants, um, things that things that users post that end up on other people's websites makes a lot of sense. I'm, I guess, I'm kind of concerned a little bit that that this type of technology might end up in things like Teams or Zoom or any other kind of chat or Slack for that matter, um, and you know, potentially like report on users' behavior or attitude or something else to to kind of like their management in a way. Imagine that's that's quite a big brotherish. Uh, kind of technology, but I think the potential is there right now for this. I, I think mean, it's cute that you think there. it isn't already there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I still go by the, like, you know, I'm two minds of this, which is like, yeah, the, the, the access to the data is there. Someone's got to plug it in. I don't think this really changes that milestone, but then also like, you know, if you need a reason to fire me, it's probably, you don't have to go this far. <laughs> <laughs> Just the icing on the cake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is how they make sure you're unhirable, unrehirable. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just I, I kind of like it's slightly uh, dystopian, but I, I kind of feel like 
scores from people's chats and you know personal chats and private chats and things. Maybe maybe not exposing their private chats directly, but things like that could be could be used as part of you know annual review cycles and stuff like that in the end. Without, it, but it could also be a tool that you use to to sort of better yourself as well, right? So like it it really is about the use case and how it's applied. You know, so it's like if if you wanted to score yourself and be like, you know, how toxic am I in my language? (laughs) (laughs) Which I would do. I absolutely would. No one should ever listen. That that should never have been in uh, Ryan and I's meetings back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on the flip side, like the same thing, like I kind of leverage not this exact same thing, but like Teams as a plugin, like speech coach. And we'll tell you like speed up, slow down, but also like we'll go into like other aspects like are you using like inclusive words and stuff like that. So, you know, there's different aspects of it that can be very useful to just help like with different colloquialisms that you might inadvertently be using. So. Have you been waiting months and months to hire your new AWS GCP Azure architect only to have them be poached at the 11th hour by a startup with a juice bar? initiatives stalled because you're having trouble hiring? Well, I have a simple solution, Foghorn Consulting. Foghorn Consulting provides top-notch cloud engineers to the world's most innovative companies and can be burning down your DevOps and cloud backlogs as soon as next week. Foghorn certified AWS, GCP and Azure professionals are armed with infrastructure as code and from day one will be designing performant, optimized cloud native or hybrid environments that deliver on the promise of cloud. Their FogOps solution even provides on-demand cloud engineering to augment your existing teams. Visit www.foghornconsulting.com or send an email to cloudtalentnow at foghornconsulting.com and tell them the CloudPod sent you. Your dedicated FogOps team is with you for the long haul and they bring their own juice. Well, for those of you who are uh, tired of troubleshooting ETLs and moving your data around in Amazon, if you're using Aurora MySQL, you can now integrate it directly with Redshift with no ETL or zero ETLs, they call it. Uh, this will help you avoid the job of prepping data for analysis. And this is in general availability. With this fully managed solution, you no longer need to build and maintain complex data pipelines in order to derive time-sensitive insights from your transactional data to inform critical business decisions. Zero ETL capability unlocks opportunities for you to run near real-time analytics and machine learning on petabytes of transactional data in Amazon Redshift. As this data gets written into Aurora, it will be available in Redshift within seconds. Uh, support for Postgres is coming in the future, so if you're like, dang, it's only for MySQL, it's coming soon. And you get this capability for no additional cost to you. You only pay for the existing Aurora and Redshift resources used to create and process the change data created as part of the Zero ETL integration. Uh, and you know the most interesting about this to me is this kind of breaks one of the main things about Amazon is that their services sort of all are independent of each other and they don't use mm-hmm. the same storage subsystem. They don't do these things. And so now they've created a dependency where these things now have to work together. <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting uh, paradigm shift. I love it because uh, I hate running ETL jobs. Uh, and I could definitely see this being something I would use if I was on Aurora and I needed Redshift. Um, so um, bravo, but also like, hmm. How does this work? I'm hoping maybe there's a reInvent session that'll come up somewhere that uh, details us a bit more. And I'll keep an eye out for that during reInvent uh, to see if I can learn more about how they're doing this magic in the back end. It looks like they're still replicating data from system to system, though, rather than sharing sharing storage and having shared access to the, the data. So I, I kind of think it's more, it's more like managed ETL than zero ETL. It's, you, know, you don't have to configure it. We'll do it for you, and we'll move the data, and we'll charge you for the storage in two places now. 
I mean, it's very possible that is happening, but there's also, you know, thinking about Aurora and the way they've separated the data layer from the, the SQL layer, there might be some tricks they could do, but yeah, it may just be something dumb. You just don't have to think about it anymore, but uh, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's a little cooler, but maybe it's not. Maybe you're right. And then I'm disappointed. All right, moving on to GCP. Uh, back in July, Google Cloud uh, introduced Cloud SQL Enterprise with three major improvements, including read-write performance, near-zero downtime plan maintenance uh, with a 99.9% SLA, and expanded data protections. Uh, but if you wanted to take advantage of this, apparently you had to uh, upgrade. And by upgrade, it means extract all your data and re-import it into the new Enterprise Plus. Uh, and apparently now they've resolved that, so you can now do a seamless in-place upgrade, and they say it with minimal disruption of less than 60 seconds. So... Uh, thanks for catching up to AWS RDS, which I think has basically had this capability for a long time already. Uh, but it's nice to see that this is now coming to GCP. From a non-GCP user, what's the main difference between? Is it just from quickly looking at it, it's just like more power, more memory, and all those things, or is there? Uh, so no. the oh yeah, there's a chart. In there's here. a chart in the article. So yeah, you get data. Clearly, caching. I read the article in advance. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> uh, so you get a better SLA. You get a lower uh, RTO of 10 seconds. You get uh, point in time recovery retention for 35 days, and then you get uh, more vCPU and access to more memory and a better quarter memory ratio with the uh, other versions. But everything else is the same. I think what I liked most about this announcement is that they gave you a rollback procedure. Like you want to play out with the new enterprise and like I've done that and then there's no way to turn it off. Like this is expensive and I don't want to pay for it. And like you have to kill the whole thing. Um, so I like the fact that this can go both ways and you can see if you really need those advanced features and or, or not. Well, I mean, it's, it's great because when you're if someone's mad at you for spending too much money, be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> let me just click. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I just saved 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Google is, uh, here has found a new way to uh, measure, uh, you know, male anatomy <laughs> and uh, figuring out ways, uh, you know, to say they're better than other people. And, you know, it's better than measuring how many characters of pi you calculated in a certain amount of time. So I appreciate that part of it. Uh, but uh, basically, Google Cloud is demonstrating the world's largest distributed training job for large language models, which they ran across 50,000 plus TPU V5E chips. Uh, with the boom in generative AI, the size of LMs is growing exponentially, utilizing hundreds of billions of parameters and trillions of training tokens. And training these models requires tens of exaflops of AI supercomputing power, which is typically distributed across large clusters. Uh, so they built out a f- brand new TPU multi-site training capability to help with orchestration, compilation, and end-to-end optimization. So you too can spend lots of money on Google Cloud running 50,000 TPU V5E chips if you can get them available to you. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> <laughs> If Google isn't using them all themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Need to request a bump on my credit limit. I think. Uh... <laughs> and, your, and your quotas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like a $2 million job right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I probably wouldn't have been so mean to them. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> uh, it's just going to be, it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, this is going to be the first of many to come. Yes. Many, many to come for sure. But, uh, you know, ironically, I, I wouldn't have noticed this was a, uh, uh, you know, male anatomy measuring contest until Azure announced basically the same thing later <laughs> that day. Uh, and they basically said uh, that Azure is now also measuring with their anatomy with their large scale record in LM training, which their record would fail already. They basically said uh, they scaled a GPT-3 LLM model and it's 175 billion parameters was done, uh, was able to do a training operation. Now, this is a, a incremental training 
Uh, within four minutes on 1,344 ND H100 V5 virtual machines, which represents 10,752 NVIDIA H100 Tensor Core GPUs. I mean, that's super fast, but 50,000 versus 10,000, they got you beat by 5x. So sorry, Azure, no record for you today. Can you imagine the team that worked on that and how just crestfallen they must be? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you could have put this article out yesterday? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Like, why did you take PTO? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dang it, we had the record for a whole 20, 12 minutes <laughs> before Google dropped their article. So, how long before Amazon releases theirs? And then, to surprise us all, Oracle's going to like 5x Amazon's. <laughs> right. With all that. Com- By leveraging Azure's. Well, I mean, they've got all that compute that I assume is sitting idle. They signed a partnership with Google and with Azure so they can combine all the TPUs of all the different <laughs> cloud providers and crush all of it. Yeah. yeah that's how you work. Yeah. <laughs> Running the fastest Oracle database in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I figured Oracle's business model out. They're just a layer on top of all the other hyperscalers. It's a PR machine, which it, breaks it, everything. It's really just a it's really just a tech company on top of a bunch of lawyers. But I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, that's known. We try to be creative. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely that's a good way for. I mean, they always joke about their garages, data centers, but really it's just other people's data centers. They're just building mm-hmm. Oracle clouds inside of. Yeah, it makes total sense. Well, yeah. well, we learned that with the Azure and Oracle outage in Australia, mm-hmm. they all just rent one data center that has power failures. Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong? What can go wrong? Well, that's it uh, for another fantastic week here in the cloud. Uh, and we'll be back with our next episode. We'll be the reInvent uh, prediction show where we will look into our fuzzy crystal balls. So <laughs> enjoy. And we'll be back to a normal show after reInvent. Uh, we we pause all our stuff for reInvent because uh, they take up all the oxygen. And then we would have a 12-hour show if we tried to cover everybody, including reInvent. And so we'll keep it short in the next couple weeks here. But we'll be back after Thanksgiving with another show. And uh, uh, you know, Matt earlier pointed out that uh, Microsoft Ignite's happening this week and that are we going to have a Ignite show? And I said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so <laughs> anything that anything that Microsoft Ignite uh, announces, we will cover when we get back from reInvent uh, and our coverage of reInvent, uh, which will be, you know, I'll be live tweeting it. We are not doing a live stream of it this year uh, just because we I honestly just don't have the time. Yeah. But uh, I will try to live stream it, uh, live tweet it uh, as we go through the process. And so we'll, uh, we'll be back hopefully right after the show in the last keynotes with our next episode seeing how we did on our crystal ball. So we're heading into the holiday season as well. So we'll have a kind of modified recording schedule we'll talk about uh, back in December, but uh, look forward to all the uh, reinvent, and we'll see you on the other side. See you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. And that is the weekend cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and tweet us your feedback at hashtag thecloudpod, or join our Slack channel. Go to our website, thecloudpod.net, for sign up instructions. Mm-hmm.